Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Happy Throwback Thursday, everybody. Happy Thursday, folks. Did you swallow, Kevin? I'm sorry. You took like a gulp of coffee right as I, I started I'm, talking. I'm drinking some coffee right now, and it's good, yeah. Where are you, Kevin? You're not in your usual Astoria Hi. location. I am not. I am I'm recording from South Carolina. I'm visiting my folks right now, my mom and my sister and her husband, and the four kids came out. They live in Georgia, uh, and we are uh, spending the week together. That's I'm lovely. McCormick, South Carolina, right on the border of uh, South Carolina and Georgia. How's the weather in South Carolina? <laughs> you can't see you guys, but Rob is fanning himself right now, and it's really lovely. It, actually, we were just sitting on the porch, and it is a beautiful out. It's very cool, crisp, and then in about an hour, it's going to be so hot you can't go outside. So it's, oh, that's know. oh, that makes me miss California. <laughs> yes, I uh, but go yeah, back to oh, California. Well. Hey, have you been watching? Fossey Vernon. Hacha. Uh, well, I, I am so obsessed, but I must confess to you, I have I have not seen the most recent episode because I'm going to watch it with my mom and my sister today. Amazing. But I, but I have watched both episodes twice, uh, the first. Oh, episodes, yeah. Because I'm just, you know, and, and I must say, and listeners, obviously you catch all of this. I love the little Easter eggs in there. I love the little like, oh, yeah, I saw Dick's most recent show. Everyone hated it, but I liked it. Do I hear a waltz? You know, I just I just think these little I don't know. I, I, it makes the little theater nerd in me so happy that we are watching this dramatization of this art form that we love so much. And I and I know I said it last week or two weeks ago, but I just can't believe that this is on television. I just am so happy. It's so good. Michelle Williams, though, we were all, before we went on air. Go. Yeah. Michelle Williams. Oh, no. I was going to say Kevin. Had, I mean, Michelle Williams, if she doesn't win an Emmy for this series. I mean, come on. There's no justice in this world. She is so brilliant. I mean, Sam Rockwell obviously is great, too. But Michelle Williams, this show should have just been called Gwen Verdon. I know. And, and, and the, I just love that they're showing the impact she had on his life and well, all of the women on his life, you know, what they did for, I mean, Joan McCracken was a favorite thing. And, you know, I, I love seeing, you know, unfortunately they're, you know, what they went through, but you see that she built him up into where, you know, to where he, you know, choreographed and all of that. And then how Gwen swept in and, um, helped elevate his career even more. But it's just, I, I love this series so much. She, yeah, Michelle Williams is absolutely fantastic. I, although I've heard a couple of rumblings in our musical theater community. Yeah. And this is a question I'm posing to our listeners to give us feedback on. The question is, is the series making it seem like Bob Fosse was a no-talent hack who couldn't really do anything without Gwen Verdon? So the, the question that's coming up is a lot of the... Some people are saying that they make this series like interesting. He like didn't. He couldn't really do anything, and she did right. everything, and he just he was took like, I don't, for like, it. I don't know how to do cabaret. Gwen, come out to you know Germany and help me, and then yeah. it's fixed. Yeah, I, it's, so we, it's, it's it's television though. It's entertainment. You know, you have to have a conflict. You have to have a. It's not real life. I mean, it's based on it, but no. it's I, so, Come on. We Calm shall down. see, folks. We shall see. But this week's episode, episode three, really dives into Gwen Verdon's 
backstory. Mm. Um, and mm. if she doesn't win an Emmy for this episode alone, like I said, there is no justice in the world, and I will get very angry and throw a shoe at my television. All right. Question. Yes. Do you think, or have you heard other people uh, that you're friends with think that it's I confusing no the way they, you stop it, the way they jump around in time? Do Because do we all, obviously we know when they're talking about Damn Yankees, I know what decade it is. When they're talking about Cabaret, I know what decade it is. Do you think that the average watcher who is, it doesn't know, do you know what I'm saying? Is well, you it, know, that's a fabulous question because like you said, I think we take for granted that when, they, like the, you're right, when they say it's Damn Yankees, we go, oh, oh. yeah, and that came before Cabaret. And we know that we know this and we know that I because we know it, I don't have an issue with it. But I I hate to say this. I don't really have a lot of friends that aren't involved in the business. And if they are, I don't know. I have to say, I just don't know. Yeah, I just don't know. I wish I could answer that. And I would say, listeners, what do you think? But you guys, you all know <laughs> everything about theater as well. So it's you know more than we do. I'm curious. Well, you had comments last night. I did have a concert last night. Um, I had an Elton John concert and Alanis Morissette concert, um, and it was a lot of and fun. How did it go? And we had, it was a, it was a blast. Um, I was not asked to sing, even though I was directing and producing the concert. I still did not ask myself, so I hate the director. <laughs> he just doesn't appreciate me. Um, and it went really, really well. Also, very quickly, oh, um, we had a weekend of theater going this past weekend. We saw. We Bert- did. We saw Burn This, we saw Hades Town, and we saw Ink, three fabulous days in the theater, all very fulfilling. Oh, so different, too. All of them so different, but so just smart and entertaining. And it was it was a great it was a great weekend. I had so much fun and to spend it with you, Rob. You're so sweet, Kevin. Now, Kevin, I'm going to keep talking for a second, but you look a little pixelated on your end. I can hear you perfectly, but you look a little pixelated. It's like I'm watching Sunday in the Park with George. So I don't know if it's your Internet connection, but you're doing that funny little freeze frame thing that I like. You guys know what I'm talking uh-huh. about? It looks like every like five seconds, like Kevin has like jumped into a different position. It's very fun to watch. Oh, sorry. I'm don't, sorry. Don't I, apologize. I just want to make sure we can hear your beautiful dulcet tones. I will try not to move too much, and I will stay here. Like I want this position. to be like a no Japanese theater piece, where you will stand there for 45 minutes and then blink once, and we go, that is a performance. I'm a theater scholar. I know these things. You do know these things. I got my, my PhD oh. in theater slash buffet. <laughs> God, if I could get a PhD in dinner theater, oh my God, why is this just coming to me now? And thank I God you're love, all there to witness it. I love dinner theater so much. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I used to love going to see dinner theater when I was in college. Me and too. The, me too. I, <laughs> There was a theater in uh, Ohio called Carousel uh, Carousel Dinner Theater that unfortunately closed, but they used to have put on some good shows back in the day. At the Carousel Dinner Theater? The Carousel, that's right. Um, oh, you know what was really exciting? I'm going to fangirl out for a minute. Uh, when we sat down uh, at Hadestown on Saturday, uh, sitting right behind us, one Lin-Manuel Miranda, and I must tell you, it's, it, I, I got uh, excited uh, when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I I fangirled out a little bit. It was really kind of cool. I thought I thought not only was it awesome to see him there, um, but I really appreciated how like it, there were all these people there wearing like Hamilton sweatshirts and t-shirts, and nobody bothered him. 
Like no nobody one bothered, bothered him. In the theater, they That's just treated him equally. I was really surprised by Except that. Except there was one guy who I don't know if he knew him yep. or not, like ran up to him at intermission and just like plopped down and talked his ear off. Um, yes. And I don't know if Mr. Miranda was being polite, but he looked very engaged. But I'm like, leave this guy alone. It's intermission. He wants to enjoy his junior mints. Like, let him be happy. He's here with his wife. Let them talk. <laughs> they don't want to hear about your upcoming projects. No, just chill. Or maybe um, they how about that special moment, though, in, uh, during the show? And, and actually, Lynn, uh, he tweeted about it. But uh, do you remember there's a girl who ha- he, she reacted to this one moment during the show at the very end? Uh, and she, she said, no. And then during the curtain call, uh, this, I think the same individual was very moved by the performances. And the, the, there was the curtain call and all of that. And she was much like me when I saw that concert of Violet and I couldn't stand up because I was crying so bad. And Ross Ryan was like, oh, baby. Well, this individual was crying as well. And Andre. To Shields, previous guest, wouldn't you know it? He's the last one to leave the stage. Took out his kerchief, you know, his little pocket square, and gave her his uh, handkerchief so she could cry into that. I thought that was really classy. I thought it, that was really classy. It, it's Andre being classy. I hope he gets a Tony nomination. So the three shows we saw this past weekend, all wonderful press seats. So thank you, our lovely press reps. Um, was first one was Burn This. Oh um, wow. Which is a lovely play with former guest Brandon Uranowitz on it, in it. Yeah. It was hysterical. Um, but I don't know. I think Kevin and I, we both feel the same way. Uh, Adam Driver's performance was electric. Absolutely I, electric. I, he's, I'm in love with him. He's amazing. Like, he walked into that. He, he, he flew into that, that theater, that scene, and, the, and it was he just, it, it was unbelievable. I had no idea. I, I saw him in Mrs. Warren's profession years ago, and he was great, but this was just, I, I, it was unlike anything I've seen in the theater, that kind of power and strength and force and vulnerability, and it, there were so many layers to that, and I just, I was, I was rocked by it. It's a tour de force performance, and it, yeah. it, it is one of the best performances I've ever seen in a theater, hands down. He was yes. just absolute and believable. Like, I think you... Oh. you what did you say about his lines? I said, I said, like everyone's doing a great job, and then he walk, he goes into the show, and you, I felt like he wrote it. Like it, these lines coming from him just felt like they were his dialogue, his his own life. I mean, it was just it felt like he wrote it. It, it was so real. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I know it's that it's really it, special. It, it was a very special performance. So if you haven't seen it, please, please make your way down to uh, the Hudson Theater and go see Burn This. One, not only to see our former guest, Brandon, be brilliant. Um, Brandon is so funny in this play. But Adam's performance is one of those that I'm like, I don't think you see these very often. Nope. I don't think you get a performance like this very often. Um, and, of course, the rest of the cast is lovely, too. But it's really Adam Driver's play. My My hope is... and. I know Tony nominations are coming out April 30th, and of course, folks, we will be doing our regular Tony broadcast where we sit down and try to figure out who might win the awards. I hope, I'm sure Adam will get a nomination. I hope that he wins, and it's pretty hard because I feel like people have already made up their mind that the award's going to go to Brian Cranston for Network, but please, please, and Brian Cranston is a genius actor, but please... I think we should all reevaluate our our voting before we go into our Broadway polling booths and cast our Tony votes. But I I have no problem saying this. I know that if I were voting, I would be voting for Hades Town for Best Musical because that was a uh, magical, wonderful experience. 
I was so moved. I was just so completely moved by it. And the performances, of course, are beautiful, but the, the score is stunning. And the storytelling and the direction, Rob, the, that direction was just incredible. Rachel Chafkin also directed Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812, and she did not win a Tony that year, went to Chris Ashley for Come From Away. who all, was That was brilliant. That was a very hard year to decide because both of their direction was so brilliant. Um, yeah. Ra- what Rachel does, I think better than any other storyteller, is she elevates all the material that she works on. She makes all of these things a unique theatrical experience. And um, Hades Town is absolutely no different. It has a former guest in it. It has the wonderful Andre DeShields, who mm. is the narrator of the evening and does that oh, oh, so brilliantly. Uh, but Hades Town really is as special as everybody says it is. It really is. It really is. It was a great day in the theater. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think the word on the street is this is the show to beat for the Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, although, and then, but Tootsie just opened up to really fabulous reviews. Um, Tootsie has one of the funny, everyone is saying this in their the reviews. Book. Robert Horn's book yeah. is one of the funniest books I have heard in a musical in at least 10 or 15 years. Wow. Wouldn't you? Agree? Oh, you haven't seen it yet, right? Not yet. No, okay. not yet. No, going to. So yeah, let me know. Uh, let me know when you go because it is. No, but that's right. Everyone was talking about the book, which you know that's not usually something people walk out of the theater saying, unless it's Gypsy. <laughs> no one says, "Oh, that book. The book is amazing." You, you, you just you usually overlook that. You say, "Oh, the songs, the set." The, but I'm I'm really excited to hear this, and uh, here's the comedy that's gonna you know entice us. It is funny. It is funny, 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 funny. Um, and then, oh, in between, then we, we had a two doche, as the kids say, on Saturday, <laughs> because not only did we see that, we saw Ink, but before that, Kevin and I did one of our favorite things, which is we got to meet some listeners who listened to the podcast. We got to meet um, Wyatt, um, of, who lives in New York, with his boyfriend, Stephen. Andrew. Andrew. And it's a private joke because I called Andrew by the wrong name once accidentally. And so now I, I call I call him every other name in the book I can find. So when we met and you Wyatt, guys, you, and you know, and you guys know Rob loves, you know, the pronouncing, the pronouncing of names and the yes. using the correct names, Rob, that's Rob's thing. Yes, of course. And so uh-huh. it was, it was mortifying for me, but luckily Wyatt and Chloe were very cool about it. <laughs> so when we had dinner with Wyatt and Stefan, one of the things we were talking about was um, all the wonderful shows that are happening this season. And because the season is wrapping up, folks, we'd love to hear from you. What were your favorites? What did you like? Maybe what things were not your cup of tea and what you think is going to be nominated for the Tony Awards. Yes. Um, then we saw Inc. at Manhattan Theater Club, mm-hmm. which is a play about um, Rupert Murdoch. Um, who created Fox News, but his beginnings in England in the uh, late 1960s, and I, I think you're gonna you're either gonna go in and show and you're gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. It's either your British cup of tea or it's not. I really, really liked it. I'm a little confused, folks, though, in terms of the marketing, because it's all about, oh, Rupert Murdoch this, Rupert Murdoch that, and Bertie Carvel from Matilda's playing Rupert Murdoch, and he's on the flyers for everything. He's really a very small supporting character in this I know. play. It's it's really the story of Larry Lamb, who worked for Rupert Murdoch, played brilliantly, I think, by Johnny Lee Miller, um, yes. who's really the person who creates 
this news environment that we're all living in today. People go, oh, it was all Murdoch. It was all Murdoch. Well, according to this play, it's really Larry Lamb, and Murdoch just took what Larry created and ran with it. Um, it's very, very British, though. Would you agree with that, Kevin, in terms of it's like – Yes. Oh, yes. It's that's very wordy. And I but I will say this, you know, the theater in England, uh, some of it is subsidized by the government. So, you know, they, they were able to produce things that maybe would not see the light of day in a commercial run. Uh, and on Broadway, of course, we have these, you know, big commercial runs of plays like Network and all of that. But I, I, I a shout out to, to the not for profit theaters that are on Broadway, because we would never see a play like this, I think, in a commercial run if we didn't have the Manhattan Theater Club that has a subscriber base and donors and all of that. And we have, you know, ways of working around not being subsidized by the government. So, uh, you know, I, I'm happy that this is playing Broadway, that we get to see it. I don't think it would probably be here if it weren't for this regional theater that's no. on Broadway. Um, but yes, it felt like <laughs> there were moments I thought, is this a Tom Stoppard play? What's This is just so intellectual and smart and, and uh, yes, British, very, very British, but it was very entertaining, and the set was beautiful. I can't believe I just said the set, but I just thought the, the production was really wonderful. It was. The set was really cool. I Go thought. online and see if you can find photos of the set. It's all of these desks, like newspaper desks, stacked one on top of another, and that's what they use. They use those as platforms. They use them as playing spaces, um, and Johnny Lee Miller's performance is fabulous. Um, Fantastic. I It was so good. I, I, don't, I hope he gets a Tony nomination. Um, so we'll see, we shall see, but it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful weekend of theater going. And then, uh, I'm seeing uh Beetlejuice on Friday. Oh, I wish I could go. You're so lucky. I'm so excited. Yeah. I like that. And then, um, I need to see three more shows and I've seen the season folks. I, is this the first time you've ever done that Rob? Yeah. Uh, Cause I know that you, you set out for this and I'm so impressed. Yes, I, I my only missed you. one. Which one? Which Straight one did you miss? White men. Oh, well, you know what? It's okay. I see enough of those on the street every day. Exactly. Um, So anyway, so that's that. But now I think it's time for our favorite things. Raindrops on roses. Let's do it. Once again, somebody asked, what is that recording? I will tell you again, it is Tennessee Ernie Ford singing my favorite things. Famous singer Tennessee Ernie Ford from the 1950s and 60s. You might remember him as Cousin Ernie. On the I Love Lucy shows. Cousin Lucy, Cousin Ricky. Crickets. Crickets. Those crickets <laughs> are my friends. <laughs> and I believe, I think that recording is a part of that. You had a favorite thing a couple years ago. Can you believe it's been years? But uh, the Capitol Records, Capitol Sings, I believe it yeah, may have I been featured. On Am there. I wrong? Yeah, I think, no, I yeah, think it's I on think there. So. Uh, f- yeah. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, Capitol about... 30 20 30 years ago released this amazing cd set where it was like capital sings rogers and hammerstein and it's like 19 songs that were pr- uh, produced uh, sorry 19 songs by rogers and hammerstein that all came from different capital record albums so like you might have like doris day sing a song or frank sinatra sing a song or you know dean martin sing a song peggy uh, lee yeah, yeah it's it's really fabulous like we've talked about this before some of the arrangements are very bizarre but nine times out of ten you're going to have a lovely experience yeah yep, yep. um and actually speaking okay. speaking yeah. of cds um my my favorite thing is a cd Ooh. okay are you ready for this i'm ready i'm ready you I'm might ready. know this title um 
this is a new CD, folks. This is a new album that just came out. Um, and I'll tell you where you can purchase it in a hot second. Uh, but I'm very, very excited by it. This was an album that was produced by Florida Atlantic University's record label. One more time, Florida Atlantic University's record label. How cool is that? Yeah. So, all right. So there is a gentleman named Michael Zager, um, who is the director of Florida Atlantic University's commercial music program. Okay. And he wanted to create an unusual educational experience. So here is what he created. Are you ready for this, Kevin? Okay. It is called Behind the Curtain, Broadway's composers and lyricists sing their songs. One more time, it's an album called Behind the Curtain, Broadway's composers and lyricists sing their songs. Um, A collection of 27 songs from such musicals as Frozen, Wicked, Dear Evan Hansen, Annie, Fiddler on the Roof, with people like Sheldon Harnick, Robert Lopez, Jason Robert Brown, Pasek and Paul, Charles Strauss, all giving you some history on the song before they play it themselves. And sing what? It. How cool is this, right? Very, very, very cool. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to run through the set list if I can really quickly so you can Go buy it. it. So um, Waving Through a Window from Dear Evan Hansen, um, For Good from Wicked, Corner of the Sky, Pippin, Beautiful City, Godspell, uh, put on a happy face. It's a hard knock life. Once upon a time, let it go. There's a fine, fine line. You and me from Book of Mormon. Miracle of Miracles from Fiddler. Um, I don't understand the poor from Gentleman's Guide. Uh, the Old Red Hills of Home from Parade. And hearing how Jason Robert Brown crafted that song is absolutely fabulous. So every single one of these songs, like I said, has the composer or lyricist discussing how the song came to oh. be. And then they sit down and they play the song for you. Um, it's it's really really great. So, so yeah, it's ahead. not so. For instance, like Charles Strauss with "Put on mm-hmm. a Happy Face." I've heard the demos, of course, that he made you know years and years ago. This is him today, now. like this it's is him, him now. now. They, it's all of them wow. now singing and playing because yeah, there's like nobody on here that's deceased. You know what I mean? It's not uh, like of course yeah. it's not just some archived you know recording. I'm I had I Rob I never even heard of it. What's the title of it called again? Uh, once again, it is called "Behind the Curtain." Broadway's composers and lyricists sing their songs. One more time. Behind the curtain, Broadway composers and lyricists sing their songs. Um, and we'll post a link for everybody. But, you know, congratulations to, to Michael Zager because it's really a fabulous album. Yeah, good job, Mike. How did you even uh, hear about it, Rob? Well, um, Harlan Golb, who is uh, the director of uh, public relations for Florida Atlantic University, reached out to me, uh, probably because, you know, my my academic connections, um, and was kind enough to send a sample CD for me to listen to. And I'll give it to you once I'm done with it. Yeah. Because I'm not. Wow. I'm going to be listening to it a few more times before I turn it over to anybody. <laughs> um, and it's re- and it really is fantastic. I oh, you know, you get worried because you hear – I hate to say this, but I'm an academic, so it's fine. When you hear academic, you go, oh, my God. No, no, no. It's going to be like 300 pages about like motifs and wicked. Like I don't know. I don't care about the motifs and wicked. Right, um, right. There's one academic. Oh, never, never mind. I'm gonna, no, come on. Come I'm not going to name on. them by name. There's one academic oh, on. who literally writes 
that every single character in a musical is gay and like lists all the like gay subtextual plots and every single musical that are not there. It's like starting like, on the like Curly like, and like, Judd, like Curly yeah, and, and you're Judd like, and like Curly and Judd don't want to fuck. Like no. what is wrong with you? <laughs> it adds another layer to it. That's for sure. They don't want to fuck. Even in this new Oklahoma, where people are like, show, the show's being performed with the house lights on, and everyone's wearing like contemporary clothing. Even that director's like, Curly doesn't want to fuck Judd. Oh, <laughs> even this guy. This guy's literally having like handheld cameras in the actors' faces, and he's like, he's like, Curly fucking Judd. That goes a little too far, guys. Even like, he's uncomfortable with it. Tony and Riff, the whole dynamic in that scene, I can. Oh my! God. I think like Glinda and Alphaba is like another. So I, oh, anyway, okay. so right, okay. anyway, so fuck when you fuck. hear academic, you're like, oh fuck me. I roll, yeah. Um, but this is not. This, no, this, it's, I re- it's, can't a, wait it's this. a beautifully produced album. It is the the anec- the anecdotes they're telling on there. I'm like, oh, I've never heard that before. And the yeah. nice and the nice thing that he does is it's a real strong mixture between golden age musicals and contemporary musicals like to have yeah. something from fiddler and then something from gentleman's guide it's fabulous it's absolutely fabulous I, so I t- so that. take a listen to it folks and like i said you know it's so exciting to hear a composer and lyricist sing their songs even though they might not have the best voice there is something right. so exciting about hearing it filtered through their original intentions. So I think yes, that's yes. it's in the purest sound. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say filter. It's in the purest sound. So that's mine for this week. Once again, it's called Fantastic. Behind the Curtain. Broadway composers and lyricists sing their songs. Um, so Kevin, what's yours? Uh, I'm going to take us back in time. I also have an album as well. Uh, I turn have a back cast back re- Turn back time. Uh, it's a, a cast recording. Um, it is from the decade of the 50s. It is uh, the only musical that was written by this team. It was not a hit, and I don't know why I like this musical, but I do. I don't think a lot of our listeners have heard of it. I think some of you have. Um, It is the only beat generation musical out there. It was a musical of its era, so it was sort of an anti-Broadway musical in that, you know, the beat generation, Allen Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac is very, you know, sorry if you hear screaming, by the way, I've got kids that are next door. Um, but it's uh, it, it's a it's a representation of that generation of that time period, you know, Greenwich Village, it takes place in Greenwich Village. It's very poetic. Tom Aldridge is in it. And uh, listeners, you, of course, you know who he is, but he was, you more popularly know him as the narrator in the original into the woods. But this is 1959 that this musical came out. It is called the nervous set. You know, I've never listened to this. Uh, I, I, I I, I listened to it 20 years ago, and it's just stayed with me, and I revisited it recently. I find it – I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. It's very much, like I said, this beat generation thing. It's very of that era. It's very specific to that philosophy and of that time period. Um, it, the orchestration is uh, bass, piano, guitar, drums – very basic, but it has this jazzy sort of funky score to it. Um, if you watch Marvelous Miss Maisel, you you notice there was a they went to like a beat club and someone was speaking poetry. Yeah, and they snapped their fingers and you know the drum. You know they it, it's just silly like that. But some of these songs are really great, and some of the songs actually you might know. Uh, one of the more famous songs that came from it that were done on many albums was the Ballad of the Sad Young Men. And then uh, another song that that college. (laughs) 
another song that uh, was cut from the show out of town, but nonetheless was the most famous song to be recorded by Ella Fitzgerald and Bette Midler actually did it on one of her albums um, is called uh, uh, Spring Can Really Hang You Up the Most was the song that was written for this. Uh, anyway, The Nervous Set is it's a, it's a really fun musical jazzy show. It was written by lyrics by Fran Landisman, music composed by Tommy Wolf. They didn't really write any other shows other than that. Um, but it is a true representation. I'm true, but it, a, a representation of a certain time period. Um, and I find the songs really fun. Um, it was not a success on Broadway. It was done in St. Louis first, and it was a huge hit there. And then they brought it to New York. And it's kind of that thing where if you, the whole point of the show is to be anti-establishment, and then here you are running on Broadway. Uh, how do you, you know, how does that work out? And it unfortunately didn't work out very well for them. But nonetheless, um, you know, Masterworks recorded the album, and it, you can still listen to it to this day. And I would give it a, a listen, uh, everyone, because it is definitely something a little different than what people were listening to at that time period, but I think very valid nonetheless. And um, I, I enjoy listening to it. So the nervous set is my favorite thing. That's amazing. I have not, I'm going to go listen to it right now because I've never heard it before. Well, that's it's great. V- yeah. It's very like you were snapping your fingers like they did in that. Ma- yeah, you know, daddy-o. Maze and it, 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 and they really are. I mean, they're like, man, I'm beat. I mean, it, they, they speak the poetry a little bit. They do sing and the songs are catchy, but it is very much a representation of that, that, that time. And Ooh, I, I like I your line it. reading. A man, I'm beat. <laughs> No, you'll hear it. You'll hear it immediately. The, the opening number. It's 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 very uh, it's very of that. Yeah. I want to snap at you now. Now, next time I see, you, I'm just going to snap at you. Anytime you say something, I'm just going to snap and like smoke a reefer. Yeah, man. Um, that okay, great. I'm going to listen to the nervous set. Hey, before we go, yeah. you asked me a question during Hades Town that I did not know the answer to. That we were like, maybe our listeners might know. You said there was an article talking about the wonderful composer of Hades Town, and the article said that she is one of four women. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I got really excited. Yeah, yeah. Finish it. Finish it. Yeah. uh, No, Anais Mitchell. Yes. And and so this article, I think it was either Vogue or Barzar. I can't remember. But they said, yes, we have to respect the fact that she wrote the book, music, and lyrics. She's a female writer, and she's the fourth woman to do this on Broadway. And so I read it, and I thought, oh, that's – yeah, more, more women. And then I thought, okay, well, who are the other ones? And I thought, well, it's – it's not just music and lyrics because there's there's a lot of people that just did music, a lot of female composers that did music. And then I thought, well, but the whole thing, like, you know, like Michael John Lacuso or Meredith Wilson or, you know, and I thought, well, who are the other ones? Why don't they – why would you just say the fourth one? Like, can we please honor the other three? And then so, I, I – for the life of me, I could think of Mickey Grant, but Carol Hall didn't write the book of Best Little Whorehouse. Um no. They, you know, uh, Nancy, you know, Gretchen Cryer, Nancy Ford, they didn't write Broadway shows. So I'm trying to think, you guys, what was this article? Were they exaggerating? But what, did they just mean music and lyrics or because it said creating the entire show, book, music and lyrics. What are the other what are the other ones, listeners? Can you please help me? Because for some reason, I don't know either. I, I can't figure it out. And I, uh, Mickey Grant and, and, and I never want to stop saying her name because she is very special what she did in the 70s and, and her, that generation and she's still with us very much to this day. But who else? What were the other ones, you guys? Tell, I can't think of the other and I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed and I want 
if they if and who they are i want to herald those names to to everybody because i'm just they, surprised that article didn't like say and these were the three other women that did this so exactly so it's it has to be a broadway show it has to be a woman and the woman has to have written the book music and lyrics created yeah literally the the entire story is from this individual um did she do it in conjunction with a collaborator uh the Hades town no, no, no. I mean the other women that they that they oh. mentioned. Like, for example, could you be like I'm making this up, but like, oh, was Betty no, that's not a good example. But I'm making no, it up. like Betty I, Comden, I like she wrote the yeah. music and lyrics and she wrote the book in conjunction with like Adolph Green and nine other people. I'll take it. I, I want I just want to know who, who who what woman other women did this because so, I cannot think of them. Neither can I. So folks, let us know who these 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 fabulous women are so we can honor and celebrate them. Or if the article is incorrect, let us know so that way we can like stop losing sleep over it. Okay. <laughs> so then we will see you all next week for more mirth, merriment and fun. In the meantime, help us out, solve our questions. That's right. Thank you and have a great weekend. Take care. Bye. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.